0: Enjoy the message.
1: And if you were here for Christmas, we had a wonderful service. And if you remember last Easter, we had an amazing service. But I think this coming Easter is going to be our best one yet. So I want to talk to you about it, talk to you about what the plan is, how you can jump in, how you can help us so that we can get ready for what the amazing things God is going to do. Are you with me? All right. All right. Well, before we do, I want to start with a little with a joke that was sent to me this week. Is that all right? I sense you a little tense, so laughter always kind of lowers our guards. So the, the joke says that a man was caught by security in a grocery store attempting to steal some food. On his court day, the judge asked the man what he was caught trying to steal. The man answered, your honor, It was a can of peaches. The judge then asked the man, how many peaches were in the can? The man answered, your honor, there was five peaches in the can. The judge then looked at the man and he said, well, you're going to spend five weeks in jail, one week for every peach in the can. Suddenly there was a noise in the courtroom and it was the wife of the man. She raised her voice and she said, your honor, your honor, he also stole a can of peace. <laughs> uh, oh, oh. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of an invitation. I want to talk to you about the power behind an invitation and specifically talk about two things. Two things that, the, that an invitation has power of. One, is to reveal our excuses, to overcome our excuses, and two, to change our life for the better. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your wonderful presence in this room. Lord, speak to us. I know that we came with needs and a desire to be blessed, and Lord, you will do that but you also want to do something even more wonderful than just blessing us. And that is using us to be a blessing to many others. I pray that you would give us clarity, conviction, and Lord, a desire, not just to understand your word, but to live, apply your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would open up your bulletin inside, there's a white paper that's an outline. You can pull that out and you can follow along with me. Look at what Luke chapter 14 verses 15 through 24 says. It's a story. It's a really cool story. And we're going to read it together. Luke 14, 15 through 24. If, uh, if the letters are too small in the outline, you can follow along with us up here on the screen. And it reads as follows. I says, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many what? Invitations. I don't know if you knew this about Jesus, but Jesus was a wonderful master teller. He was a a master at telling stories. He told many stories. In fact, he answered many questions with stories. Verse 17 says, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But look at this. But they all began making what? Does that ever happen to you? It sucks, doesn't it? One said, I just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come. Verse 21, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was what? Furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. And what? Invite the poor, the cripple, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. And what? Urge anyone you find to come. Come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will ever get the smallest taste of my banquet. Have you ever declined an invitation that you later regretted? Have you ever been invited somewhere and maybe said no or made up some kind of excuse and then found out that you missed out on something really, really great? You know, there's an invitation that I turned down about 12 years ago that I regret to this very day. And once I tell you, you're not going to believe me. About 12 years ago, I got invited to do chapel for the Dodgers. And I said, no. Exactly. Why? Why? If you know me, If you know me, you know I love Jesus and I bleed blue. So this was like the perfect mashup, right? Dodger players, the word of God. Why would I have said no? Before I tell you why, I want you to try to think about what possible reason there could have been for me to have said no. And I'll I'll give you some clues. Nobody died, nobody was hurt, and nobody was born. What? <laughs> Why would Pastor Nestor, who loves Jesus and bleeds Dodger blue, say no to doing chapel to the Dodgers? I have to confess that behind and somewhere inside of me, behind the main reason and somewhere inside of me, there was a little bit of fear and insecurity. But let me give you the main reason why I said no. We had just come from our two-week vacation that we get every year. So I had been out of the church for two Sundays, and I didn't want to miss a third one. That's lame, right? (laughs) Some of you, you missed three Sundays like nothing. But I had just missed two Sundays. And the Sunday that I was supposed to be back was when I got the phone call from a good friend of mine who is the son of a really famous Dodge, ex-Dodger player. And he said, I can't make it today. Would you want to go? And I said, Domingo, I can't because I was just out two weeks and I cannot be out a third one. Can I tell you that to this very day, I regret having said no. And you know, as bad as my decision to decline such wonderful invitation is, Jesus in this parable tells us about a group of people who declined the greatest invitation that anyone could ever receive. In this story, these group of people declined the greatest invitation that any individual can ever receive. In this parable, this is a story that is known as a parable. And a parable is a story that illustrates a moral or spiritual lesson. And in this parable, Jesus is, wants to illustrate that there is an invitation to a better life, to a fuller life, to a different life. Now, check this out, check this out. This is so awesome. This this parable is so rich. And, and I I was tempted to make a big series out of it, but I'm not. But listen, check this out. The life that Jesus is inviting these individuals to is so rich, so meaningful, so powerful, so much higher, so much fuller, so much vibrant, so much fresh that it can only be described as a banquet. Think about that. I don't know if you've ever been to a fancy banquet, but think about those banquets that they do in the movies where there's a variety, where there's there, where there's plenty of everything and you have freedom to eat what you want, when you want, and as much as you want. This is the kind of life that Jesus was inviting them to. And there is no greater invitation than an invitation to a better life. This parable, this parable is about us, but it's not just about us. It's also for us. This is a parable about how to get to heaven and not just on a wing, on a prayer, but how to get to heaven and enjoy life as you get there. This is a parable about us, but it's also a parable for us. Let me give you a little bit of the context behind what's happening here because we kind of jumped into when Jesus tells the story. But if you start in verse 14, uh, Luke tells us that Jesus got invited into the house of one of the prominent Pharisees. Now, if you don't know who Pharisees are, they were just enemies of Jesus. These were religious people that hated Jesus. And they invited Jesus to this particular dinner, not because they loved Jesus, not because they wanted to get to know Jesus, but they invited Jesus for one simple reason, to scrutinize them, to criticize them, and hopefully to set them up so that they would have something to accuse them of. This is the context in which Jesus tells this story. There is more hostility towards Jesus than there is hospitality towards Jesus. And you gotta ask yourself this question. If Jesus, who knew all things, why would he say yes to such invitation? If he knew he was gonna be set up, if he knew he wasn't really wanted, if he knew he was gonna be criticized, have you ever been there? Have you ever gotten invited? Maybe because you're just friends with somebody or married to somebody, but but deep down, you know you're you're not wanted there, right? Right? But why would Jesus take this invitation? I'll tell you why. And it's a very powerful reason why. Because Jesus went anywhere and everywhere to talk about the kingdom of God. Jesus went everywhere. And anywhere, you got to remember this, Jesus was accused of being a drunk because he went where drunk people were, not to drink with them, don't get me wrong, but to tell them about the kingdom of God, to invite them into a better life. They accused Jesus of being a party head because he got invited to weddings and he went. He got invited to, to a banquet and he went. Jesus went everywhere and anywhere to invite people to a better life. Now let's look at this parable and let's look at some of the elements because I want you to understand it. In this story, Jesus says that there was a man, there was a host. There was a man who prepared a banquet. And that man, the host of the banquet is God. And he says that, that there was a feast and the feast points to the kingdom of God. It points to heaven. So the feast, the banquet is symbolic of heaven. But there's also a servant who was sent by the man to go and invite people. And that servant is Jesus. But there's also the guest. There's also the invited guest. And there's three types of guests. The first were the intentional guests, the A-list people, right? Those that automatically, when you throw a party, you want them there. But the second group of people are those that are not even B-list people or C-list people. These were no-list people. They're the poor, the blind, The beggar, can you imagine a party with a bunch of sick, blind, poor people? Not much of a party, but yet they get invited. Pastor, what is the third group of people? Well, the third group of people is the outcast, the forgotten, because after the first group of people denied, declined the invitation, Jesus says, go and bring the sick, the lame, and the poor. And he does. The servant goes out and he brings them and he tells the man, he says, there's still room. And the man says, well, then go outside the city. Why is it that those outside the city were the outcast? Because these were the people that very likely lived criminal lives. These were the people that had ruined their lives to such point that they couldn't live in the city, so they had to live outside of the city hiding. And Jesus doesn't forget about them. He also invites them. Now, there's something you need to know about this story because it says that a man created a man through a feast and then he sent out his servant to go bring out the guests. You need to know that in those days, it was, it was typical for there to be two invitations to every party because of The fact that they didn't have refrigerators, the fact that they didn't have all the things that we have now where we could store things and just kind of go to the grocery store the day before and buy a 100 pounds of carne asada, they couldn't do that back then. It took a lot of preparation. So the first invitation was always sent ahead of time. It, It was kind of an invitation that said, hey, sometime around this time next year, I'm going to throw a big party, and I want you to come. That was the first invitation. But when things were ready, the second very important official invitation was sent. Let me illustrate it this way. It's like when people get married nowadays. Some people send a save-the-date invitation, right? It's kind of like, like, hey, we're going to get married we're going to send you the details. We're going to tell you where it is, the hotel. We're going to tell you the venue. But but we don't have all that yet, but we do have the date. So just kind of save the date, right? And a lot of times when we when we send the save the dates, they say what? Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, count on me. We're, we can't miss it. But then you send what? The couple sends what? An RSVP. Are you really going to go? And who's coming? And that's where a lot of invitations get what? Declined. Oh, you know, uh, I can't make it and da 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 But the interesting thing about this parable is why, the reasons why the first group of people declined that invitation. And you know, many people today say yes to Jesus's save the date invitation. They say, Jesus, of course I want to go to heaven. Jesus, of course I want to be free. Jesus, of course I want to be blessed. But when Jesus sends the RSVP to invite you into that fuller life by spending daily time with him in prayer, by spending time in worship, by spending time in community that is called the church, that is when we begin to have excuses and say, well, I just can't make it. I mean, I really want to go to heaven, but I just can't make it to this invitation you're giving me. And we make excuses. So what I want to do is I want us to look about, I want us to look at three truths about our excuses because we all have them, okay? I got excuses too. I got excuses too. And one of the things that that I have to confess I felt guilty about was that, As a pastor, I get invited to a lot of birthday parties and dinners and lunch. That's why it's hard to stay thin, you know, because you guys are really good at fattening me up. Um, And I can't always make it. And sometimes, I have to be honest, like you have to be honest, we're really good at coming up with excuses, right? So I want to look at three reasons, at three truths behind our excuses. And listen, there might be somebody in this room that God has been inviting you into a relationship with him. God has been pursuing you, nudging you. And you got your excuses. Oh, I don't know that I believe all that about the Bible. Oh, I don't know that uh, I want to be religious. Well, I want to look at three things that your excuses have behind them. Are you ready? Number one, you can fill this out on your own. I see a lot of serious faces. I want you to know that I am not chastising you. We're learning together, amen? Some of you are even beginning to shrink down. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. There's just liberty and freedom, amen? Here's the first truth. The first truth about the excuses we give, you ready for this? Is that they are seldom the real reason, they seldom are the real reason why we can't go, why we say no. We hide the real reason behind excuses. And the real reason sometimes is just that we're lazy or that we're uninterested or that we don't care or that it doesn't matter to us, but we come up with an excuse. In the past, you've heard me say this, and I gotta say it again. If it matters to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. If something matters to you, you're gonna find a way. If not, you're gonna find an excuse. Now, let's look at the excuses, the lame excuses that these individuals gave to Jesus. Let's look at them. The first person He said the following. He said, I bought a land and need to inspect it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Who buys a house without looking at it first? That's really what this guy said. He said, I just bought a house and I need to go look at it. There's a real reason he's not expressing. The second person says the following. I bought an oxen and need to try them out. Question. Who buys oxen without first inspecting them? It's like buying a car and after you bought it, you test drive it. Who does that? See, and Jesus is intentional in using these excuses to reveal the truth about our excuses. And that is that we hide the real reason behind our excuses. Look at the third person. Look at what the third person says. He says, I got married. One version says, I have a wife. In other words, this guy's a mandilon. (laughs) This guy gets bossed by his wife. Right? And listen, the truth is, the truth is that arrangements could have been made if he really wanted to go. Being married, under the Leviticus law, he did have a real reason, but he still made it an excuse. He still made it an excuse. You want me to tell you what the real problem behind all three individuals is? You want me to tell you the real problem behind our excuses, what it really is? You ready for this? These three individuals had a big problem. They had attachment issues. They were attached. To something that they were not willing to let go. Now hear me out, hear me out. They're not bad people. They're just people with attachments. And the dangerous thing about becoming attached to things of this world is that you can miss out on the greatest invitation, which is heaven. Many people today will miss out on heaven, not because God is not good, but because they're attached to their jobs. Many people today will miss out on a better, richer life that Jesus offers them, not because they're dumb people or they're bad people, but because they have attachment issues to pleasures. These people had an attachment issue. And the Bible is very clear that attachments of this world will keep us from a richer life in Christ. Hey, can we talk about the big elephant in the room? COVID provided a lot of excuses. uh, Thank you, Manolo. Thank you, Leslie. I got two people that that, that are... COVID provided a lot of excuses. Can I tell you why I know there were excuses? Because they only applied to Jesus in the church. Oh, boy. oh, Pastor, I don't know about, I don't know, there's too many people, and I might get sick, but you don't get sick at the park. You don't get sick at Dodger Stadium. You don't get sick at the gym. You don't get sick at Costco. Come on, I, I'm not condemning. I'm just, I'm just saying, can we be real? Can can, can we just be real and say, listen, it would have been easier if you had said, you know what, pastor, I'm just kind of lazy right now and I'd rather watch church from home. It would have been a lot better. But to say, no, I don't know, you know, COVID and this and that. COVID provided a lot of excuses. But excuses are seldom the real reason Here's the second truth about the excuses we give, is that they reveal what really matters most to us. Excuses reveal what really matters most to us. You know, excuses are rarely ever the real reason, but the excuses that we use are real reasons. Sometimes we say, oh, my kids work." or my health, or my wife, or my husband, or my parents. And listen, the excuses we give reveal what, we really ma- what really matters the most to us. Let me say it again, just in case you didn't hear it the first time. If it matters to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. You know what excuses reveal? They reveal where we think we're gonna find the peace, the happiness, the fulfillment, and the identity that we need. I can't go because I I I need to work overtime. Oh, I can't go because, well, you know, I got three kids. You wanna know what matters most to you? You wanna know what matters most to you? Just look at three things. Look where you spend your time, where do you spend your money? and what you think about most. What you spend your time on, what you spend your money on, and what you worry or think about most is what matters most to you. Here's the third truth. You ready? It gets a little bit deeper. It's all right though, right? Sometimes, sometimes we gotta get cut to heal, right? Here's the third one. The third truth about the excuses we give is that they reveal what we think about the person. They reveal what we think about the person that's inviting us. Here, here, here's what I know. The more somebody matters to you, the more you value somebody, the more willing you are to make adjustments in your life to accept their invitation. If My brother or sisters were to invite me somewhere. You better know, I'm going to move as much as I can to go to where they're inviting me. Why? Because they matter to me. When someone doesn't really matter to you, it's a lot easier to make excuses. Oh, you know, my wife, she never lets me go anywhere. No, you, you really don't care about that person. And check this out, church. Our excuses, you ready for this? And I want to say this in a very loving way. Our excuses reveal what we really think about Jesus. I I, I know some of you, you got a beautiful voice and you sing how much you love Jesus, but your excuses really believe what you think about Jesus. And there are things that we don't say out loud, but that we do say through our excuses. Can I tell you some of the things that people think about say to Jesus through their excuses? Let me give you a few of them. Some people say, Jesus, I can find fulfillment outside of you. Whether that's in a relationship, a job, money, possessions, entertainment. But some people through their excuses are really telling Jesus, I can find fulfillment outside of you. Others say, Jesus, I'm fine without you. I know all these things you say about a better life, but but, but I'm really fine without you. I could get by. And yet others say, Jesus, I like you, but right now what you offer me is not better than what the world offers me. I mean, Jesus... You know, this whole peace thing, this whole heaven thing, that's nice. But you know what's nicer? A bigger bank account and a newer car and vacationing often. And our excuses reveal what we truly think about Jesus. So let me ask you this as a pastor that loves you. What are your excuses? We all have some. We all have some. Let's level the ground. We all have some. Whatever they are, real, valid, but still excuses. And here, 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 here's why we're talking about excuses today. Because excuses lead to bad choices. The excuses these people made led them to making the bad choice of missing out on heaven. That is why God will challenge your excuses because he wants to take you higher. He wants to take you deeper. He wants to take you further. And he's asking you this morning to take a step of faith, to trust him and to accept his invitation to a richer, fuller life. Now, I told you this parable was about us. That's the part that is about us but this parable is also for us and here's the other side of that coin and that is that the second power of an invitation is that an invitation can change a life i told you that in this parable the servant that went out to invite the guest was jesus well, today, Jesus continues to be that servant who goes out to invite people. But check this out. Now he does it through you and through me. Jesus did it at one time in the flesh. But now he does it in the flesh through you and through me. We first become the the ones who are invited, but then we become the instruments to invite other people. And see, here's the thing. Invitations come in all shapes and sizes. Some are formal, some are digital, some are beautiful, some are just lazy. But no matter how an invitation comes, here's why an invitation is so powerful. Because, and you can fill this out in in your outline, An invitation says you are wanted. An invitation says you are wanted. Man, there's people in this room that have invited me and my wife to to their house and they've cooked steak, steak for us. They've cooked really good food for us. And let me tell you, it feels so good to be treated so nice because you know what it says to me? It says you are wanted. Have your loved ones ever planned or done something? And left you out of it? I'm gonna throw my family under the bus right now. <laughs> I'm healed. I want you to know I'm healed. That's why I can talk about it. Last year, they all planned and went away for the weekend, but guess who they didn't invite? It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I'm still loved by God. And I'm still the favorite one. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. But if you've ever been left out, you know that that is a horrible feeling. The horrible feeling of saying, wait, how come everybody else got invited but me? Is it because I'm not wanted? Listen to me, church. Today, many people feel that God has forgotten about them. And it is you and I that need to be the invitation that says, hey, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, You are wanted, and God still loves you. In the parable, in the parable, the man sends the servant to go and buy the original guest, and when they say no, you have to ask yourself this question. Why didn't he just cancel the banquet? Well, two reasons. One, and I don't think this is the main reason. I'll give you the main reason last. But one, he had already spent a bunch of money to make this banquet. So he didn't want it to go to waste. But two, he didn't cancel the banquet because this man loved people. Jesus loves people. And he said, when those I originally wanted refuse to come, I'll invite others. And there's there's a phrase in this parable that touched my heart And that spoke to me and I felt this was the invitation from God for us this Easter. I want you to know that I've spent time asking God, God, what do you want to do this Easter? God, what is your plan? I don't want to make plans and then ask you to bless them. No, I want to know what you want to do because I know whatever you want to do, it's already blessed. And look at what that phrase is. In verse 23, The man who throws the banquet says the following. He says, so that the house will be what? Full. Jesus wants a full house. Jesus wants a full church. Why? Because he loves people and so should we. See, this parable is about us, but it's also for us because we accept the invitation and then we become that invitation to others to come into a life that is richer and fuller because of Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I want to see the church full. You know why I want to see the church full? Not so that we could say we had a full church because a full church means a fuller heaven. A fuller church means what? A fuller heaven. You want to know, know something? COVID emptied the church. But I believe this Easter, God is inviting us to fill it back up. And I don't know about you, but I believe we can do that. I believe that there is enough people we can touch and say, hey, you are still wanted. I really believe we can do it. But you and I, we're the key. Look at what Romans 10, 13 through 15 says. Look at what it says. For everyone, everyone, or you could say anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So there's nobody that is outside of salvation. There's nobody that isn't wanted by God. But but check this out. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless what somebody tells them? Who's that somebody? I am that somebody, you are that somebody. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. Church, somebody has got to go out and tell people that they are still wanted by God and that somebody has got to be you and it's got to be me. I want to ask three things of you. Please listen up. Everything I have said is for what I'm about to say next. Okay, here's the plan. I gave you a theological ground. I gave you a message to inform you, inspire you, and transform you. Here's the plan. I wanna ask of you as your pastor to do three things. You ready for them? The first thing I wanna ask you to do is I wanna ask you to commit, to inviting at least two people this Easter. I want to ask you to commit to inviting at least two people this Easter. You done filling that out? Because I need you to look at me. I need you to look at me. Look at me in the eyes. This is an invitation and a challenge. Look at me. To everyone. Teenagers, we need you to invite some friends. Young young adults, we need you to invite some friends. Single people, we need you to invite some friends. Single moms, we need you to invite some friends. Married couples, we need you to invite some friends. Older folks that are retired, we need you to invite some friends. We, I wanna challenge everyone to invite at least two people. We have put two of these flyers in your bulletin, two of them, and if you need more, you could take more. Invite them and say, hey, you know, this Easter, we're going to have something wonderful at church. Will you come? Pastor, why at least two people? I'm going to tell you why. Statistics say that it's very likely that one of them is going to say no. So if you only invite one person, it's very likely that you will not have a guest this Easter. And what we want to do this Easter is what? Fill the Lord's house. Amen? Now, now listen, I'm going to give you three reasons, three reasons. If the story we just read is not big enough to motivate you to invite, I'm going to give you three reasons. You ready for this? First reason why you should invite your friends and family. Here's the first reason. We are going to have the most amazing, powerful Sunday service we have ever had. We are preparing. We've been preparing for almost a month now. We're gonna have some special songs. We're gonna have some special performances. We're gonna transform this place. It is gonna be powerful. It is gonna to touch lives and it is gonna transform lives. So number one, we're gonna have an amazing Sunday service. Second reason why you need to invite people. We're gonna have a great after service celebration. We're gonna have one of the best egg hunts you've ever been part of. We want kids to bring a basket so big that they can't take all their eggs that they get that day. And they're not only gonna collect eggs, they're gonna hear about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're gonna have face painting, we're gonna have a photo booth, we're gonna have food, we're gonna have a great time. Let me tell you, it's gonna be awesome. But here's the third reason, third reason why you need to invite somebody. Because their lives can be changed. One of my desires is to get to heaven and find out how many people were there because I was faithful to share the gospel about Jesus. Don't you want that same feeling? To say my siblings are here because I didn't give up on inviting them? Now, check this out, check this out. Let me tell you what we're doing as a church. We paid because we are sending 6,400 invitations by mail to our neighbors around our church. There's 6,400 homes within a mile and a half radius of our church that are going to get an invitation. Yeah, that, that's, already, that's already in the works. Amen. That's already in the works. We, we, we've done that. We have began to promote on Facebook and Instagram to invite people to come. And we've put uh, that we wanna reach those that don't come to our church. We've also printed some of these yard signs. We don't have a whole lot of them, but if we need to make more, we'll make more. I already have one of these outside my house. If you have a house with a yard that is visible and that is transit by a lot of people, Take one of these. They're on the way out. Just put it in your yard and let the Holy Spirit do the work. If some of you say, "Pastor, why why only people with yards?" Well, we have two of the signs that if you have a window that is very visible to a lot of people, you could take and put in your window. So we also thought of you. So these are out there. We want to be able to use these. We've also we're also going to go. As as an evangelistic group, Pastor Manolo and Grace are are gonna give us some dates next Sunday because we're gonna go as a community and we're gonna pass out flyers and invite people. Now, listen to me, church. You're probably saying, Pastor, it sounds like, like there's a lot of invitations going out already. Why do I need to invite somebody? Let me tell you something. The most effective invitation is not the mail. It's not social media. It's not a yard sign. They're good invitations, but they're not the most effective. You know what the most effective invitation is? Yours. Imagine. You. When you invite somebody. Listen to me. Take these signs. Take these flyers. Put them in the laundry mat. You know how they have like a, a thing where everybody like room for rent or I'll wash your carpet? A bulletin. Those of you that go to Starbucks, give it to your barista. He needs to be invited too. Oh you that go to the gym pass it out to the people that you kind of already know and say hi to tell them hey i want to invite you to come those of you that are in college you know in the cafeteria just take a few of them and put them in the tables those of you that go to the parks take a few of them and put them in the benches pin them on trees let's invite 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 why so that lives can be changed and the house of the lord can be full are you with me are you with me There's another thing I want to do. There's a thing I want to do. In your bulletin, we put a little insert like this. And I know I'm running out of time. I know I'm running out of time. There's a little thing like this. I want to ask you, look at me. I want to ask you to put three names of people you're going to invite. Let me tell you why. This is important. I, I, me, as your pastor, I'm going to commit to pray for the people you put in this list every week. Every week, I am going to take time and pray for every person by name. Why? Because I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to soften their hearts so that when you invite them, they say yes. I want to partner with you. I want to help you. I can't go with each one of you so that you can say, hey, Juan, this is my pastor, Nestor. He wants to invite you to Easter. I can't do that. If I could, I would. But what I can do is unite with you spiritually and say, I am going to be praying so that when you invite Juan, your prayer and your invitation together with my prayer can reach him and he can be here that day. Are you with me? So fill this out. When we collect the offering, turn it in. If you didn't get one, Rosie, I think we have some extra ones. So if you need one, raise your hand and we'll bring you an extra one. Amen? So the first thing that I want to ask you to do is that everyone is going to invite what? At least two people. If you could do more, better. Here's the second thing I want to do. Second thing I want to ask you to do, okay? Second thing I want to ask you to do is I want to ask you to serve that weekend. I want to ask you to serve. Here's why. Check this out. Check this out. We are getting ready, not just for this room to be filled. We're going to add more chairs, but we're also preparing the chapel. And we're going to have the service happening over there. Okay, we're working on that. But guess what? We need ushers over there. We need greeters over there. We believe that so many kids are going to come that day that we're going to need some extra teachers in the kids' ministry. So I want to ask you, I know some of you, You're like, pastor, I don't want to serve because it's a every Sunday thing. No, I'm asking you a one Sunday thing. And let me tell you some of the areas where we need help, okay? Tony, Rosie, would you stand or raise your hand where you are? Tony and Rosie need help with hospitality. We need people to help us at the parking lot because we believe the parking lot is going to get full. We need people that are greeters, that are going to be welcoming people. We're going to need more ushers. So if you're willing to do that, talk to Tony and Rosie. Uh, Bart, would you stand up? I know Marianne went to the cafe. Bard and his wife, Marianne, are in charge of the egg hunt. They are excellent people. They do things with excellence, and they're going to put together the best egg hunt. So if you love that and you can help them, talk to them. Say, hey, what do you need me? I think Marianne told me she bought over 1,000 eggs already. Can you imagine how long it's going to take to put a 1,000 candies on a 1,000 eggs? We need help. Amen? Uh, thank you, boy. Mom, would you stand? Mom, Anna? parate. She's so short, she needs to stand on the chair, but that's my mom over there. If you say, I don't know how to do eggs, I don't like eggs, but I'm really good at cooking, talk to her. We want to have food that day. And she's, and she's going to be helping us with that. Thank you, mom. Benito and Anna are not here. At least I don't think I see them, but they're in charge of setup and cleanup. If you say, I'm not good at decorating, but I'm good with the broom. I'm good with the vacuum. I'm good with the blower. We need help setting up. Uh, uh, John, would you raise your hand, John? This is John back there. John, he, we need help with the cameras. John so if you want to help us live stream if you want to help us with what goes on online talk to John please my wife is not in here she's in the kids ministry but we're going to need help with the kids we want the kids to have a good egg hunt but more than anything we want the kids to walk away knowing why we celebrate Easter and it's not because of a bunny but because of the resurrection And we're already working with crafts that teach about the resurrection. So if you're good with kids, uh, please talk to my wife. And I've already mentioned Pastor Manolo and Grace. They're going to be in charge of our evangelistic team. We're going to go out to the malls, to the parks, to pass out flyers. So the second thing I want to ask you is serve. If you're interested in helping serve, take a respond card found in front of you. Put your name and say where you want to serve, and we'll get in touch with you. Last one, last one, last one, and I'm almost done. You ready for this? Nobody get offended, okay? Believe me, if you know me, you know I don't like talking about this, but I need to talk about this. The third thing I want to ask you to do is to give faithfully. I've already told you of all that we're doing. It's not free. The 6,400 cards that we're sending are not free. We had to pay for the design. We had to pay for the material. We had to pay the post office. The egg hunts they are not free. These these flyers and things, they're not free. I'm not going to ask you to give a special offering. Every year I do, but this year I'm not. I I know inflation's going up. I know things are getting expensive. I know a lot of us are on a tighter budget. I understand that. So I am going to be sensible enough to know that we can all probably use every penny we have. But here's what I do want to ask you. I want to ask you to continue to give faithfully. If you're not a tither, become one. If you're tithing, but tithing partially or inconsistently, become a faithful giver. Let me tell you something. Our church is impacting people and it will continue to do it. I'm not asking you to give so I can get a raise. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to give so that we can reach and put the best feast possible so that when our guests come, they can be impressed and receive Jesus. If you're not giving, let me tell you something. You can't afford not to give. You're robbing yourself of their blessing. Continue to give faithfully. If it's in your heart to give a special offering because you did your taxes and you got a nice chunk back, you're free to do that. You're free to do that. God will bless you for it. All I want to ask you is give faithfully. I know we're paying more at the pump. I know we're paying more at the grocery store. But I think you would agree with me that we cannot allow the church to suffer financially. Man, if this place has been a blessing, one of the ways you can contribute is by inviting, by serving, and by giving.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer?